Don't make me get in my zone. Don't make me check on my phone. Ball so hard. Z-Pack want to find me. I don't know where we are right now, Tom Heineber. We're talking about mental illness, and I already feel unwell mentally. Well, yeah. Y you know. Yeah. You know. Guys, guys, today's show is real important. I'll tell you why. Margot Kidder died. Margot Kidder, for those who don't know, was Lois Lane in the classic Superman series, the first Superman series. I think the first three or four, she was Lois Lane. And she was a big part of my childhood, Tom Heineber. She was beautiful, she was smart, she was strong. Even though Superman was a douche, she kind of kept up and did her thing. She was a reporter. She was a feminist before being a feminist was a thing. How are, how are those Superman movies still so much better than the ones they made with all the CGI? Dude. I'm telling you, it's just like the original Star Wars episodes are better. You start throwing CGI, it doesn't feel right. It's just like Health 2.0 doesn't feel right to us clicking the boxes and staring at the computer. It's not medicine anymore, right? So Margot Kidder was, got rather more famous for something that went wrong with her. And that was a mental breakdown that she had in 1996 where she was found in the backyard in a house in Glendale, which we all know is the Armenian capital of the free world. It's Lil Armenia, Z. Lil, Lil Armenia. Yeah. And by the way, everyone thinks I'm Armenian because my last name is Demania. They want to add an N onto it. And so I'm Demanian. And I grew up in Central Valley of California, which was Lil Armenia. And so I feel like an honorary Armenian. You know, it's funny. I have an Armenian aunt. So little white privileged Tom Heineber actually grew up eating like Zaktarze and stuff like that. That's like. amazing. You can finally <laughs> assign yourself to an actual legitimate genocide. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, so, which by the way, that was a real genocide. I don't care what you say, Turkish people. Uh, you're Turkish liars. People All right. are dicks they kind of are. They really are. They really are. Yeah. I have no idea if they are. I know Dr. Oz is Turkish, and I hate Dr. Oz, so maybe that's a thing. Anyway, so Margot Kidder, uh, speaking of ADHD and mental <laughs> illness, Margot Kidder uh, famously had that breakdown in 96, and the way that the press treated her at that time was absolutely unconscionable. They literally made her out to be this crazy ex, you know, has-been star who's hit rock bottom, was found in this backyard with the caps missing from her teeth, totally disheveled, wearing rags. And what came out later is that, no, oh, she'd been suffering with mental illness for a long time, was diagnosed with what they were calling manic depression or bipolar, uh, and had multiple sort of mini breakdowns over the course of her career, even at the peak of her powers, but no one knew about this. And the stigma of mental illness was applied to this lady who had, again, this amazing acting career, and she was treated like crap. In fact, one of my favorite shows, The Family Guy, actually did something really horrible to her. Uh, can we roll that clip, Logan? Do you have that clip? Of course. Margot Kidder was here. Oh, we loved you in the Superman movies. You were just wonderful. <laughs> I mean, so look, I love The Family Guy as much as the next guy, but that's sort of, okay, imagine this, Tom, like what hey. if Freddie Mercury's dying of, of AIDS? And they do the similar clip where it's Freddie Mercury writhing in pain from a, a opportunistic infection in a hospital bed, and Family Guy does that clip. Would that not have generated outrage of an order of magnitude that would have wrecked the show? Yeah, it definitely would have. But you, I hate I hate that clip so much. It's just that's mean, man. And it's like, where's the joke? There's no joke. Here's the thing, 
Tom Heineber is one of the meanest people I know, and that's why I love him. If for him to say that means that this is a particularly mean clip. And again, it, and, and, and you have uh, sort of family members who suffer from mental uh, illness. My mother's a psychiatrist. Uh, I treat a lot of patients uh, and have that suffer from mental illness. The stigma is huge. But part of the reason we want to talk about this today, in particular, apart from the Margot Kidder story, which I think she in later life then became an advocate for mental health, which is why we have a link at the bottom here to donate to uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, because uh, we want to support people who are supporting destigmatizing mental illness. Um, this idea that we in healthcare suffer disproportionately from mental illness, including PTSD, suicidality, burnout, emotional detachment, and then other mental illness, and the stigma in healthcare is so strong that we can't talk about it for fear of being fired. We can't talk about it as physicians for fear of licensure renewal. They ask you specific questions in certain states. Are, are you uh, diagnosed with a mental illness? Have you been on medication? Uh, these kind of things are, what they do is they set up a stigma so that people don't seek help. Then we have higher than the normal population levels of suicide, of-, of See, um, fix your mic. What's wrong with my mic? It turns into your beautiful chest. It's not easy having world-class chesticles. <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. And you know what? Uh, my fans appreciate that, all three of them. So this idea then that we're so stigmatized that we can't even seek help has been huge. Now, this came to a head actually, ZPAC. So I did a little experiment on Mother's Day, apart from posting my, uh, the interview uh, I did with my wife about the biases against uh, and challenges of uh, mothers in medicine. Uh, I did a Ask Me Anything on Reddit. And for some reason, it went super viral and had over like 270,000 uh, interactions and views and went to the top of the Reddit AMA. And I, it's weird, I had all these like friends of mine I haven't talked to in years who were texting me, hey, you're Reddit famous. I'm like, we have all, a million followers on Facebook, but like we do a Reddit AMA and suddenly we're famous. But this idea, I think at the top of the Reddit AMA was a comment about burnout, suicidality in medical professions. And that got the most upvotes and generated a discussion. And people were tweeting, hey, Z-Dog's doing this AMA on Reddit and you guys should check it out. But I actually read it and I got very depressed because I realized how deep the struggle is for frontline clinicians in the country struggling with burnout, suicidality, mental illness, and completely stigmatized. And that made me think we should really talk about this uh, today. Well, like you said, you know, I grew up with uh, a mother who's severely mentally ill. And I'll tell you this, there's no casserole uh, coming to your house when your mother is mentally ill. But when your mother has cancer or something, you are getting love and support from the community. And it's always this like weird thought of like, well, those people are mentally weak. It's like, well, should I call your genetic lineage biologically weak? Because that's what it seems like to me, if we're gonna use the same logic. You're spot on. I mean, there's, 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 this, is a, this is a disease of an organ in the body, the mind. If you have heart disease, they do GoFundMe campaigns. They do telethons. You know, Jerry Lewis does uh, uh, telethons for kids with developmental delay. Do you get the same destigmatization with mental health? No, because people think it's a moral failing. It is not. And the truth is, look, I've talked about this idea because we've talked about meditation. We've talked about mindfulness on the show before and my own uh, sort of journey down that path and how hard it is and how training your mind is hard. Now imagine, we've talked about these little sub-minds that, that process data and do emotions and have hopes and fears and dreams and the elephant and the rider and all that. Imagine if you have a sub-mind or two or three that don't 
give up. They're constantly ruminating on horrible thoughts. They constantly are projecting a self-image that is, that is inaccurate, bad, uh, hateful, hurtful, filled with guilt and regret. And this is constantly on loop all the time. Then you put that person in a healthcare environment where they're getting stimulus of the worst kind, things that would give a normal person PTSD, we see every single day, including all the pressures from our colleagues and administrators and patients and each other and ourselves to perform better, faster, uh, more uh, efficiently. And you put that kind of mind that's already struggling in that situation, it is going to be a disaster. We have huge levels of suicide and burnout. I reposted an episode with my mom, who's a psychiatrist, talking about patients she's lost to suicide, to homicide, and how difficult that is. And I'm telling you, she was holding back on that episode. When she talks to me about it, it's much even more candid and, and it's so hard, right? But we stigmatize all of it. If we treated the mind as an organ and as a disease process, but also be careful about over-medicalizing. So we don't wanna throw medications at everything. Sometimes really good cognitive behavioral therapy, really good psychotherapy, uh, and just changing our environment, changing our own personal way that we deal with things, that, that takes work. And it's not necessarily a medication. It's not drugging someone to death. And sometimes drugs are very important. We can't, we can't lessen the, the importance of that. But this idea that you know, we're just over-medicating everyone, that, that's not the idea here. The idea is that we destigmatize disease. We find the best way to treat that particular patient. For me, being a type A neurotic with OCD, I found meditation has been a tremendous thing because I'm not severe enough to require medications. My own ADHD is mild enough that if I meditate, I'm able to focus and practice attention and peripheral awareness in a balance. And that works for me, but it's hard work and I need support and I need resources and that kind of thing. Now imagine you're working 12 hour shifts again and again and again, there's no support, there's stigma everywhere, everyone's telling you to suck it up. And then you have the public stigma where people like Margot Kidder are treated as crazy. Uh, it's a no-win situation. So the, the title of this is what we can do to help our colleagues. Step one is listen to them, destigmatize it, right. make it okay to say I have a problem and I need help, change our licensing uh, stuff, allow for support from employment assistance programs, our employers, et cetera, to have time to actually treat and manage uh, and prevent mental illness, and then start early, like pre-meds for doctor types and in nursing school and a lot to say this is not a, this is not something you're alone. You can have support, and we're going to change our culture. But it's going to take a lot of us to do that. There was a book I read a while back, and I think it was called A First Rate Madness. And sort of the the thesis of the book was that uh, the best leaders are somewhere on the spectrum of mental illness. You know, because they have higher levels of empathy or a caring and understanding because they themselves have suffered. Right. And then it's often when you find mentally healthy leaders are leaders who uh, do the most harm in a population. Think of somebody like a George Bush, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, or a right, Donald right. Trump who's mentally healthy, you know, right. at least at his own diagnosis. Well, and then there's, that's right, the intersection of art, creativity, and mental illness. Right. We, the people who go into healthcare are pretty creative types. Like I'll tell you, our, you know, our second year class play was the, the amount of creativity that came out of this group of UCSF medical students, who by the way, listen, these are not balanced people. These are not people who are 
coming in this with a high degree of mental stability. These are the cream of the crop of gifted students who are neurotic, they are driven, they are pushed, all these other things, you throw them in a room. My first year at UCSF, I remember thinking, am I back in high school? These like crazy intense cliques would form. Everybody's hyper competitive, but pretending not to be hyper competitive. There's a big sort of uh, performance anxiety, imposter syndrome, all those things. It's enough to break the healthiest person's mind. Now you take people who are already at the edge of you know, creativity, intelligence. We, talk, we did a show with Blair Duddy on gifted kids. These guys are already right at the edge, right? They're pushing the limits. And you can easily push them over the edge. Now we have two people at NYU, two medical people, uh, a student I think and a resident who died by suicide in the last uh, 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 couple months. And everyone's acting like this is a, such a surprise. This is exactly the system that we've built that's gonna generate this. And the fact that we don't talk about it, one of our goals here on this platform is to give a platform to these topics that no one wants to talk about, that we all know is happening, but we need to put it out to the world so that muggles, non-medical people see it, our policymakers see it, and our academics and people on the front lines see it and go, you know what, I'm gonna, tomorrow I'm gonna do something different, or at least it's in my sub-mind now. I'm gonna ruminate on this and we're gonna come up with something. You know something that I, I've thought about, reflected on for a long time is, and I've admitted to myself is that I'm not in control of my thoughts, like you were saying. You know, like these thoughts just arise. Like, you know, something would arise in my body if there was a physical problem with my body. If there were mentally unhealthy thoughts that were, you know, maybe societally we viewed them as mentally unhealthy, right? That wouldn't be my fault. That would just be something that was arising for me. That's a huge step towards understanding the stigma of mental illness, that thoughts arise. And not only that, but loops of thoughts arise. And anybody who meditates at all can see this. You're quiet, you quiet your mind and you see them just arising like just clouds across a sky. And that's why there's been a lot of research actually lately on psychedelics, going back to psilocybin, LSD, psychedelics, MDMA, um, which isn't technically a psychedelic, but it's close. Under guided uh, conditions, you can actually, people can actually almost reboot their mind. And these ruminatory patterns of unbidden thoughts and ruminations can actually be broken and you actually get a 30,000 foot view for the first time. It's equivalent to meditating in a cave for 30 years, you know, having a guided uh, psilocybin experience at high dose, at least to hear people who've done its uh, explanations. It's, it's so interesting too because it, it is cultural. We put them in the box as mentally ill. This is just sort of their reality and you know, their experience as a human being. And we're putting them over here in the boxes like, no, you're malfunctioning. There's this shamanic tribe, and I forget where it is, like Papua New Guinea or something. And their name for somebody who's schizophrenic is one who walks with the dolphins. And it's like, what does that mean? I don't know, but they're a society that takes a lot of psychedelic drugs. So they're like, this dude's having visions. He must be, he must be touched by the gods. Like, he must know something we don't know. Let's listen to him. And he's revered in their society. You know it's what I mean? It's a whole different framing. It's a whole different framing. And you know, somewhere in the West, we lost a, a bit of touch with that sort of aspect of uh, the spiritual creative aspect of what we're calling mental illness. Now that doesn't mean that, so if you have that mindset, it's very hard to function in our current society because yeah. you can't get things done, you can't organize your thoughts. And of course there's the extreme, which you know, Margot Kidder said that when she had this break, she was wandering, she wandered into downtown Los Angeles and was taken in by a couple of homeless people who recognized her as a, someone who's fellow mental illness. 
and took care of her and protected her. And it, it goes to show that sometimes game recognize game. If you're, <laughs> if you're, uh, if you suffer yourself, your level of empathy and acceptance of others who suffer may be higher. So we could all do a little bit with that. Now, again, I'm not a big fan of empathy because feeling someone's pain, if you felt a schizophrenic's mind, you would not tolerate it for long. And it would actually lead to yourself. You would burn out. You would make incorrect decisions. You would believe some of the delusions. That's why family members with high empathy of people with mental illness can suffer some, something called folie à deux, where they share some of the delusions of the mentally ill family member because the empathy is, is tight. There's a condition tied to schizophrenia called allophrenia, where you can actually start to hallucinate yourself. Ah, interesting. And, and, and the idea, again, is that we're very suggestible and that our mind is complex and it's com consisted of subminds that are always feeding our, our awareness, this data. And we can improve those things. Medications, therapy, cognitive therapy, talk therapy, just getting out of certain environments, set and setting. That's why people used to drop acid in the 60s, sometimes would just, you know, have horrible things happen because their set and setting was bad. In other words, their mindset was bad going in. So now they're open to all this crazy stuff and their setting where they were was not a, a, not a non-paranoid inducing sort of setting. But in guided settings at the right mindset, uh, these might, we're seeing evidence that these drugs might help uh, us understand even the nature of mental illness and how the mind works. So there's a lot to do. So Tom Heinever, other thoughts? Well, taking it back to medical practitioners, I mean, there's a lot of things that are considered mentally healthy or normal, like staying up all night, <laughs> or you know, just clicking through these boxes, never asking why you're doing any of it, uh, you, know, just, you know, shoving your own compassion and empathy deep within yourself to just do the thing you need to do to get through your day. And then we're surprised when people burn out and break. These are not like normal behaviors. We, we've set people up in healthcare to fail. And, and you know, there was a guy on Rogan, the sleep therapist, sleep uh, specialist from Berkeley. Right. Yeah, and he talked about the origins of why residents stay up all night. Uh, it can be traced to a doctor in the 1800s who was a cocaine addict and expected all his residents to keep pace with him. So he would stay up for 36 hours because he's high on coke and he expected his residents to keep up with him. And so the culture was set then by a cocaine addicted doctor to set, which is a mental illness in itself. Cocaine dependency is in the DSM-5, right? As a, as a disease, you're now expecting medical students to behave in this model and it persists to this day. Things are slowly changing, but we have to change them faster. Uh, what do you think, Tom Heineber? Cocaine's a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a drug. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Charlie Murphy! <laughs> Uh, so guys, this is what you can do to help raise awareness. First of all, people who've donated to uh, NAMI, the uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness, $230 raised from eight people, thank you. Keep clicking that box. Do me a favor, hit share on this thing. Share it with someone you care about. Frame it a certain way, like we need to destigmatize this. And that will go a long way. It also helps Facebook's algorithm to realize that our content is good and just and needs to be shared and it helps it disseminate. Uh, I don't know, ZPAC, we love you. Thank you for supporting our AMA on Reddit, everything we do on Facebook, and for being a part of the tribe. Also, Logan just created a Make Medicine Great Again <laughs> line of merchandise. So if you want to support our videos, go to shop.zdogmd.com and make medicine great again. I don't know, Tom Heinberg, what do you think? Uh, there isn't a single mental illness that's a weakness. They're just a condition in the human experience. Normally the show ends with I hate you so much, Tom Heinemer, but it's hard to hate you for saying something that actually makes sense for a change. I hate Logan so much. He walks with the dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it.
<laughs> you dance with chickens, Logan Stewart. I do. <laughs> I do, see. I love you, Z Pack. We out. Go. What? Dancing with chickens isn't like a thing? You gotta dance with chickens, see. I dance with the, I do the chicken dance. Chickens. By the way, have you seen my. Have you seen these? I walk around talking to myself, wearing these, and talking to Steve Jobs' ghost. That's a behavior that's considered normal that may not be.